Max. All right. Thank you, brother. Uh, good morning, church. It is a joy to worship with you. It's one of my favorite things to do in the week. Uh, like Eddie said, my name is Alec. For those of you who are near or who are new to Cross of Grace, I serve as one of the deacons here on staff, overseeing our community groups that meet throughout the city, as well as our Sunday teams who get to just serve you joyfully on Sunday mornings. I just want to say uh, happy Father's Day to all of our dads out here, uh, to include all of our spiritual dads who invest and pour time and care into that next generation. Uh, we just want to say, we love you dads, we honor you today, and we thank the Lord for you. So can we just give it up for our dads today? Well, we're going to be picking up where Ricky left off last week in the city of Antioch in Pisidia. So if you have your Bibles, please join me in Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 42. If you do not have a Bible, we'd strongly encourage you, grab one in the back and take that home with you. Keep it. It's yours. Or you can even Google Acts 13, verse 42, ESV. That's gonna, what we're going to be looking at this morning. Now, church, let's turn to verse 42. This is God's holy word. As they, Paul and Barnabas, went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles." For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But... The Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Father, help us this morning not to approach your word casually but earnestly and humbly desiring for your spirit to move in our hearts through your word. Encourage and empower us to be lights to those around us who are living in the darkness. Help us to see that our call to be a light, Lord, help us to see it in a new and powerful way this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The other day after work, I pulled into the driveway and just started clicking on my clicker, trying to get that garage door open, but it wasn't opening. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. So I went through the house, into the garage, started hitting the button, 
It's not opening. I realize, okay, none of the lights are working either. This is, this is weird. And then to my greatest fear, I went to the freezer that had a bunch of meat in it, lifted it up, and you can imagine that stench. But I went to the sensors. I'm like, okay, nothing's blocking the garage. What's going on? I unplugged the motorhead for the garage door, plugged it back in. It still wasn't working. The lights were not working either. I'm like, okay. So I went to the breaker box. That, everything was in the right position. Not, none of the lights were working. Nothing was working in my garage. So I did what I could only do left, and that was to call Dick Snow. <laughs> I said, Dick. I have no idea what is going on in my garage. And he said, okay, I want you to just go to your kitchen, go to your bathroom. There's got to be a GFI outlet that's kicked out. I said, okay, Dick, they're all good. They're all plugged in properly. Everything looked normal. And so Dick's like, no, there, there has to be something. Go, I want you to go into your garage. There has to be one in there. So after a few minutes of searching around, I found on one of my shelves behind a big box was the GFI outlet that was kicked out. With a simple push, everything started to work again. I think oftentimes as Christians, we forget God's purposes for us are to be a light to the darkness around us. Or I think the call to be a light is something that we can take lightly. Right? It, it's, nothing, it's something that we don't consider much thought about. or We don't take it seriously enough. And like my garage, we can live as if the GFI of our hearts has popped out. And we just sort of blend in with the darkness around us. My prayer today is that the heart's GFI that is within us would be pushed back in with the help of God's word in this text today, and that with the Spirit's help, we would be encouraged to be the light that we were called to be by the Lord, that we would shine in the shadows of our world. So the banner hanging over our text today is this, people of God, be a people of light. People of God, be a people of light. We're going to look at this in three sections. Why be a light? How to be a light? And what are some of the results of our light? So section one, why be a light? Before we dive further into our passage of Acts 13, I want to briefly overview what the Bible says about God's people being a light in the world. When we open the first few pages of our Bibles, we see God dwelling with mankind. And a few chapters later, all of a sudden, now, they're now separated. They're not together. And it seems that as we continue reading the Bible, everything just spirals down. And the goodness of God's original creation, it's as if this dark cloud just now is covering over it. And we can no longer see God or be in relationship with God. But what God does is he takes the initiative and he chooses a people for himself for a specific purpose to outshine the darkness that has covered the world. We see in Genesis 12 where God calls a man named Abram that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. 
God promises to bring blessing to a dark world. So he does amazing things for his people over and over so that the world may see who he is. Psalm 96.3 says that the people of God are to tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among the peoples. He is a God who wants the world to know him. He is a God who wants the world to see him and to be with him. And he wants his people to have an outward orientation to the world. He gives his people a command in Isaiah. The prophet calls Israel to arise, shine, for your light has come. But this command comes with a promise. God tells them, nations will come to your light. But unfortunately, in our Bibles, we see God's people fail over and over and over again to be a light to the nations. We see throughout the Old Testament that God's people will shine momentarily, but then fade back into the darkness of the world, leaving the world aimlessly looking around for a light that will be able to outshine the darkness. And when the Bible refers to darkness, it's talking about sin and its effects and that those who live in darkness, they live in sin and that those in sin cannot see, let alone live in a relationship with the Lord. They live a life apart from him. The Bible tells us that sin is a very, very big deal. Romans 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death. This darkness is just producing death. It's all consuming. But the only thing that can cure the darkness is light. And while the people of God failed to be the light that the world needed, God promised a better and greater light would come. God had a plan to deal with the darkness and the sin of the world. And his promise was kept in Jesus. Jesus proclaims in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The dark clouds are pierced with a powerful light that the darkness has never seen. The everlasting light that humanity has been longing for finally came to our dark world. And as the light of the world, Jesus didn't just bring salvation, he is the salvation. And here's the wonderful thing about this light, Jesus. It is available to all who are in the dark. For those who have believed in Christ, Colossians 1.13 tells us that He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Jesus came and saved us so that we would no longer live in the darkness, but be transferred into the light. And now as children transferred out of the darkness, we have a relationship with God again. Our sins have been forgiven. The darkness has been driven out. And now we tell others about this great light that rescued us from the darkness. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to 
give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Church, what a glorious reminder this morning that Jesus, the light of the world, entered our dark world. He saved us, and he calls us as Christians today to continue being an extension of his light so that we may shine in the shadows around us. We have a lot to learn about being a light from our passage in Acts today. So let's see how the rest of this story unfolds. Just a brief recap, last week we heard Ricky um, going through Paul's incredible sermon about how all these people in Israel's history were falling short, but there was one who was coming, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And what we see is in our text today that the response from the Jews in the synagogue was a favorable one. So much so that they're like, hey, Paul, can you come back next week and keep telling us about this? So Paul comes back the following week, and not only are the Jews in the synagogue, it's not just them. Luke, the author of Acts, records in verse 44, almost the whole city is in the synagogue to hear this message. Now, Antioch in Pisidia was mainly a Gentile city, uh, meaning a bunch of non-Jews, non-believers of God. But word gets around throughout the week that to all the non-believers, there is a message of salvation for them. They can be saved. And what we see here with the framework of mind that we just walked through, the stage is set a full synagogue of outsiders hungering for good news. And the, gent the Jews have an amazing opportunity to be a light to their city. The Gentiles' aimless wandering in the dark is about to collide with the light that they've been searching for all these years. They show up to the synagogue ready to hear Paul preach. And then verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. The Jews in the synagogue were certainly not being the light that God had called them to be. Now the text doesn't say specifically what caused their jealousy and opposition in the synagogue, but there may be a few different reasons for it. Maybe their own personal outreach to the city just wasn't going well. It wasn't successful. And they see these two missionaries come into their synagogue and all of a sudden, almost the whole city is there to hear this message. Or maybe it was a message that they just wanted for themselves. They wanted to store it away and not let anyone else have it. Or perhaps it was this heart posture towards the outsider. They don't deserve that. This is only for us. My wife and I uh, recently watched the movie Jesus Revolution. Has anyone seen that? A handful of you guys, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you, go watch Jesus Revolution. But it's a film about Chuck Smith's small declining church in the 70s. And in the 70s, this church became the center of revival in America. And the people who were coming to Christ in waves after wave after wave were a bunch of hippies. As these hippies trickled in one after, a number, after another, members of Chuck Smith's church began to get a little disgruntled. 
they did not want the hippies coming into their church. And during that time, there was this fear in the American culture that all across the communities, if the hippies come, what they're bringing with them is drugs and homelessness. The members of this church did not want these stinky, dirty, baby boomer hippies coming into their church on Sundays. And in the movie, there's a really powerful scene where members of the church were upset at the hippies because their dirty feet were getting their brand new carpet dirty. And they go to Chuck Smith after the service and they say, you better do something about this or we're out of here. And so what I love is the movie cuts to the next scene and what we see is the video just zooms in on a line of hippies just standing still. And as it panels through all the people waiting to go into church, they get to the very front and what do you see? You see Pastor Chuck washing the feet of the hippies before they went into the church. He loved them. He served them. He was a light to them. He shared the gospel, and the Lord saved them. But unfortunately, in our text, the Jews at the synagogue were not fulfilling God's purpose of being a light to the Gentiles in the city. The GFIs of their hearts were tripped out. They wanted to pick and choose when they could be a light. They were okay not functioning as a light. And just like the members of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa who left when the hippies came in, they both had abandoned their call from God to be a light. But if we're being honest, like those church members who didn't want the hippies coming in, like the Jews trying to stop Paul from preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, We all have people that we don't want to build relationship with and shine the gospel to. There are times that we are okay with the GFIs of our hearts being popped out and rather than sharing the light of the gospel, we just continue to live this life not being a light. Maybe it's that person who has a different political view than you. Maybe it's someone who who views different social stances. They see it differently than you. Maybe it's because of someone's skin color. Maybe because they're rich or someone's poor, depending on which side of town they live in. Maybe it's that person at work who's unproductive and just slacks off. Maybe it's that neighbor who doesn't know what a lawnmower is. That guy who likes to just paint their house neon green every year. Whoever that is in your heart, that's who Paul is talking about. Whoever you wouldn't want to live next door to you, that is who this text is aiming squarely at. Who are you holding back from sharing the gospel from? Who would that hippie or Gentile be in your life? Jesus has shown his light in us that we may shine it to others. And in those moments where we feel a prompting from the Spirit to share the gospel with those who may not know Christ and the GFIs of our hearts pop out, let us remember God's purpose for his people is to be a light that shines in the dark. Let us be Christians who remember that Christ shone his light in our darkness. Therefore, we now shine it in others' darknesses.
And we need the Spirit's help, and we need God's word to pop that GFI back in. So church, be the light, give the light, and our text is gonna help us with how to do this in the next section. How can we be a light? Point to verse 47. For so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now we're going to look at how to be a light and we're going to look at this through a couple steps. But step one, determine who are you to be a light to? You know, recently uh, we've trained our community groups to do this 411 evangelism training. And what I love about it is it has this really helpful exercise that helps that where you are required to draw out what they call an oikos map. It, it, what an oikos map is, is it's basically a prayer map of the people in your life who don't know the Lord. So if we can show that first image. So it starts with your name in the very center. Circle it. And then you draw lines to, who are those people in my life? And you're praying, Lord, reveal these people in my heart. Who do I need to put on paper that I know doesn't, know, what doesn't walk with you, Lord? But if you go to the second page, what we discover is as we are doing this, man, all of a sudden, that coworker who doesn't know the Lord, his wife doesn't know the Lord. Their kids don't know the Lord. My neighbor who doesn't know the Lord, maybe their kids don't know the Lord, right? You just see how this thing explodes. And it's, it's pretty eye-opening, it's pretty humbling. You're like, wow, Lord, there's a lot of people in, that you've placed in my life who don't know you. I think it's so helpful to take time and to write this down because it becomes more real for us. The first step in being a light, determine who you are to be a light to. The second step is then commit to praying for these people. I would encourage you, put it somewhere visible where as soon as you see it, it's a reminder, I'm gonna pray for that person. Maybe it's above your sink as you get ready for work or for your day. Maybe it's on the dashboard. As soon as you start driving, you say, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna commit my first few minutes or so praying for these people in front of me. Maybe it's a special night of the week a specific night that you pick and say, Lord, on, on my Saturdays at night at eight o'clock, these are the people I'm gonna be praying for. And when you pray, pray for opportunities, pray for boldness, and also pray for their hearts, that their hearts would respond to the gospel as well. Lastly, be willing and able to share with the people around you what Jesus has done in your life. Being a light means we have been sent by God to share what he has done. Romans 10 is super helpful here. He's starting in verse 14. Paul writes, How then will they, non-believers, call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent church every single week you are sent he goes on to write how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of christ being a light and sharing the light is who you are 
and it's what you do as a follower of Jesus. Share the gospel, but also live it out. Live in a way where the radiance of the gospel shines brightly from you. What are the ways in your lives we can build relationships with people? Maybe it's asking your neighbor to come on over for dinner. Maybe it's befriending that guy at work who no one wants to be friends with and saying, hey, you want to go to lunch? Right? Where, what are those relationships that you can engage in to just live out the gospel and to share the gospel with them? We got to remember, God pursued us in love. Therefore, we pursue others in love as well. Spurgeon is, is so helpful here. He says this quote, the Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. And just as I've been preparing this message this week, there's just been a particular burden on my heart that, that God is wanting us to be faithful here and now. You know, in my time here in El Paso, I've been here for about five, six years, and it's a very common cadence and rhythm to how often I hear this, but I hear so often people are like, I just can't wait to leave El Paso. I can't wait to get out of here. There's something out there for me. And I just want to encourage you guys. Your time in El Paso is meaningful. It's purposeful to the Lord. Please don't waste it. My prayer for you this week is that you would just feel God's peace, that you are exactly where you are because God wants you here. And he has a purpose and a reason much bigger than just yourself. We have to be careful, guys. If we are just constantly looking forward, and I, I get it, it's exciting to be like, hey, where are we going next? What's on the horizon? But we just have to be careful that we don't neglect the call to be a faithful light here and now, one day at a time. So church, you have some homework to do. I want to encourage you, write out a prayer map. Put your name in the middle and just spend some time praying, Lord, reveal who in my life doesn't know you. Who are you calling me to be a light to today. And while it is certain that God's people are called to be a light, who share the goodness of the gospel, the outcome of sharing the light is not always so certain. It has varied results. Our last point, what's the result of our light? Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. So we see that God has made his people to be a light in a dark world. And it's been his purposes from the beginning of scripture. And we see today that we are to be the lights that shine into the world around us. Church, I just want to be straight up honest with you. Just because I am talking about being a light today, I'm far from perfect at doing this. The other day, I was just chatting with a neighbor, um, and we were just having a conversation. Something in the news happened, and she just went on of like, well, we just live in a, a fallen, broken world. There's nothing we could do. It just, we just got to take it one day at a time. My response was like, yeah. It's like, come on, man. What? Like the Lord just teed me up in that moment. 
It, it wasn't even like a Charlie Brown moment where I swung and missed. It was like the Lord set me up and I just stood there. But we have to remember, we, we all have, we miss windows of opportunities, right? But God is gracious and God is patient and he's gonna continue to bring you opportunities. Let's not waste those opportunities. Let's let our past failures encourage us moving forward. In fact, Lord, that was just not a good feeling that, that someone's eternity was at, at stake and I failed to share that. I remember uh, Penn and Teller, the, the magician guy who's not a Christian, said to a bunch of Christians, he said, if you really believe that your message, that your gospel is the thing that saves humanity, He's like, how much do you have to hate someone to not share that? And I was like, this unbeliever's schooling a bunch of Christians. I was like, man. You know, it, it, oftentimes we're not bold, right? Or we're, we're worried about how someone will respond. We're worried that, ah, oh, this might be an inconvenience to them. Or, or we even hesitate to commit if our, if our presentation's just not good enough or it's not perfect with this pretty little bow wrapped on top. But it seems that Luke, the author of this book, inserts verses 48 and 49 to encourage us today. Our text today reminds us of the pure joy that sinners have when they meet the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Notice the response and hear in the gospel. Remember, these are the Gentiles, the outsiders, the hippie, the, the, the ones who don't believe in God. These are the people who wouldn't want to live next door to you. Hearing the gospel and experiencing the same joy that you and I as Christians experience every day. When we are to be a light Christian, we can expect that God will respond, that people will respond and believe with joy. So Christian, expect joy as a result of being a light to someone. But notice in verse 48 that there were people there appointed to eternal life. This mission trip was not random. This was not a coincidence. God was sovereignly guiding and placing Paul and Barnabas exactly where he wanted them at the exact time he needed them there. God had a plan to set his love towards the Gentiles in Antioch. God had a plan in Antioch. And he has a plan here in El Paso today. The job you are in, your neighborhood, even your own family, None of that is by chance. Before you were even born, the Lord knew exactly that you would be here today in El Paso, in your part of town. And even if God has a, like we know God has a plan, but our posture should not just be like, all right, the Lord's got this. I'm just gonna coast, let him kind of do his thing. He'll execute his plan perfectly. No, as Christians, we should be like, the Lord has a plan. We are going to lean into the work that he's doing around us and we are going to be a part of it. This should be exciting and encouraging that God has a plan for the people in El Paso who do not know him. And he loves the people here in El Paso. And what I love is it, 
Guys, it's not even our jobs to change people's hearts. Our job is to be a light and to share the gospel. The Lord is the one that changes hearts. It just takes pressure off of us. It just encourages us to be faithful to share, to let the Lord take care of it. We've got to be a light. And even when we fumble our way through a sentence of sharing the hope we have with a non-believer, God will use that. Remember this, church. Little is much when God is involved. Little is much when God is involved. God is sovereign. He has a plan. He's in control. You are part of that plan. Be confident in our God who knows exactly what he's doing. And notice that even in the midst of the opposition, the gospel is spreading throughout the region. So let us not sit around with the GFIs of our hearts popped out. God is moving in El Paso, and he is calling you, calling us at Cross of Grace to be a light. But here's the reality. Not everyone responds to the gospel the way the Gentiles do in our text. Verse 50 But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Church, we should expect similar mixed results when we make the gospel known. Some will be intrigued. Some will be angry. By God's grace, some will believe. We'll see later on in this series in Acts how we are to respond to the opposition. But very briefly, opposition does not mean we stop being a light. Even more so, we shine brighter knowing that the darkness cannot, be, cannot overcome the light. And even with the mixed outcome of sharing the gospel, notice in verse 52, They were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. Christians, our work is a happy work. It's a joyful work that we get to partner with the God who is sovereign over all of humanity, who has and delights in saving sinners. We get to partner with him where he has called us today. The people of God are a people of light. And as we come to a close, I just wanted to share a brief encouragement for our dads this morning. Dads, let us be reminded that the number one place that we are to shine our lights is not at the office, it's not to our, our golf buddies, but it's in our homes. That is the number one priority. Are you sharing the light of the gospel to your family? Does your family see how the light of the gospel is changing and affecting your life? There are so many different ways to be a light to your family. In failure, are you lovingly teaching your kids about God's grace? When people wrong you, are you you showing the light of reconciliation to your family? There are many ways to be a light, guys. But I want to encourage you, take heart if your light is dim. Look to Jesus who tells us in John 12, 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in 
darkness. Dads, church, God desires for you to be a light. And he powerfully displays his glorious light in Jesus Christ. So church, be the light Christ has made you to be this week. Take this call, take this call wholeheartedly. Whether that's at the grocery store as you're walking around, just be praying, Lord, is there anyone here? Just give me an awareness of anyone that I may need to engage in today. Maybe it's a neighbor you just need to invite over for a meal to just shine the light of the gospel to them by, being, by inviting them into your family, into your home. I want to encourage you guys, let's, let's pray together to be a light and that the Lord will help us to, the, to do that this week and to shine in the shadows around us. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed that you would enter into our dark world. And not only our dark world, but Lord, a, a world that loved the darkness. We're amazed that you've shown your light to our dark hearts, Lord. We're thankful. And this week, Lord, I pray that the Spirit would give us a refreshed awareness of being a light whether that's at the dinner table, at the grocery store, a coffee shop, or at work, would you give us opportunities to engage with those around us who don't know you? Would you give us boldness? Would our prayer life increase as well as our compassion towards those who don't know you, Lord? And Lord, I just pray lastly that, that our humility and gratitude would propel the saints at Cross of Grace to be the people of light to our city. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.